What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We had a little extended break. Sean's off coaching high school All-Americans, hopefully offensively, not defensively. And um, we're still waiting on the college football playoffs to start because, you know, it's only like a year in between the season ending (laughs) and the games actually being played. Uh, Major League Baseball had some crazy news happen overnight. We'll get into that in just a second. The NFL has a lot of fun going on but it also has some problems going on that I want to talk about. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then today's national signing day. Uh, You know, we're not going to talk, break down which recruits are going where Arch Manning has signed with Texas. That has happened. Uh, The Nico, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name has signed with Tennessee. So the two big time quarterbacks have signed with their teams that we thought they were going to all along, but we got plenty to talk about on this episode, but as always, we're brought to you by bet online. We are, and basketball is also back, and it's been rolling, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, my dog barking, he'll be there too, uh, player news and game trends at Bet Online. And if you're, uh, and it's also your continued source for all sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the latest and fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NBA, NFL, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf as well. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV. It's BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V is in Victor to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. You know, as, as people know, we haven't done a show in um, a week, almost two weeks now. And the last show where we left off, we were talking about the two Carloses in baseball, Carlos Rodon, Carlos Correa. Where would they be? Neither had signed yet. And Carlos Correa is on his second team in the span of those two weeks. He originally supposedly agreed to a deal with the San Francisco Giants for, uh, let me get this right, three years. I got a 330 for 350. For 350. And everyone's like, okay, he's going out west. He's going to play in the Bay Area. Let's go. Well, then yesterday was supposed to be the press conference. Well, then it came out, well, you know what? We're going to hold off. Then there was some mixture on the stories of, well, there's some people sick. There's some people this. Then it popped up that there might be something with Carlos Correa's physical. And then in the middle of the night, the shocker happens where they just back out of the deal with the Giants and they sign a 12-year $315 million deal (laughs) with the New York Mets. And Steve Cohen, who's in Hawaii, sitting at dinner, gets a call from Scott Boris and says, hey, you got room for a $315 million third baseman? And, of course, the Mets owner is like, yeah, I've got billions of dollars. You can make my team better. Let's go. So the flip has been made. You know, we always talk about on National Signing Day, who's on flip watch? You know, who are the big-time recruits they are going to flip at the last second? A five-star recruit. Uh, safety just flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon within the last 20 minutes. Well, that happened to Major League Baseball last night. Carlos Correa flipped from the Giants to the Mets. What were your thoughts when you woke up this morning and saw this? Well, I, I was the first thing that hit me is what they find out in the medicals. That was right. number one. Then I thought, okay, was it that the Giants were just when I saw the headline? Were the Giants concerned over the long haul of 13 years? Or was this, 
well, yeah, we're concerned, but give us a minute to decide if we can handle if we can handle it. And Scott Morris said, screw that. We're not getting this on, on our shoulders. We're out. And I'm not sure fully yet, Segs, unless you are over there, because on my drive home from work, the last hour I haven't read, was it that they left one, they left it sitting on the table and the Giants or the Giants completely squelched it or Boris said, we're not waiting. His medicals are fine, right? Which one is it? And the Mets are like, hell, what, what a Hawaiian Christmas gift for, for and, and, a, and a nice happy holiday gift for uh, Steve Cohen, right? Saying, oh, good gracious, I got a nice holiday gift. This guy lands in my lap. But he's still got to pass that physical. So I, I don't know the depth of it, Sags. I don't know if they're worried about something that's chronic on him, meaning it's been bothering him, if it's something that showed up and something that they saw in the physical. I mean, I, you hear it all. And Boris ain't messing around because he didn't want to go through what he went through last year of the short-term one-year deal opt-out. He wanted to get him paid, and he did. So do, do we have any idea who was the final decision-maker? Did the Giants fully back out, or did Scott Boris say, I'm not giving you time to wonder if he want him back? We're moving on. For, from everything I've read, it's still kind of up in the air. Um, like you said, unless something happened right before the show, uh, I have not seen anything to say otherwise. But, right. I mean, it feels like what you just said. The Giants kind of him hot a little bit, either something in the medicals or even, you know what, they just use the medicals as an excuse saying, like, do we really want to pay this guy $350 million over 13 years? For that long. Yeah. Right. And, you know, whatever it was, Scott Boris said, you know what, sorry, tough, tough shit, we're out. We're You know, we have the deal ready to go. Yes, it's for, you know, what – a year less million dollars less but it's also for a year less right segs with that let me me, another thing that you asked what hit i first thought well you're worth what you can negotiate good for correa and you know then it hit me okay what is going to be how are we going to judge this how many world series and gold gloves and you know 25 home run seasons does he got to have at third base and all well how, how do we put the barometer on was this a great move for the Mets, like for the Rams, they win a Super Bowl, go get Stafford, give up all those assets and Jalen Ramsey and Vaughn Miller. It's worth it for them. But will it be worth it for them if this goes six or seven years where they're rebuilding? Right. Like, where's the cutoff for the Rams where we say, finally, OK, now it's time to hold Sean McVay accountable again. They got their Super Bowl, but this doesn't give you a 10 year hall pass. Where's that threshold for the Mets with the Korea thing? And one other thing that hit me, say, then I'm good for him if he can get it. Hell, yeah. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Steve Cohen's got a lot of money. If you want to pay it, it ain't my money. Now their ticket prices may go up, but I thought, okay, putting this together, how long will I start to run through my mind? How long will Correa? How long will he be productive? And what his ceiling, if there is one, and that the Mets are going all in. And then I hit me. I said, if I had ten thousand dollars, would I bet it on the Mets to win a World Series in the next three years? And Segs, my my answer was no. That was my answer. Now, I may be wrong because yet the Dodgers have spent a lot of money over the years, right? Yankees spent mm-hmm. – Dodgers have been to one World Series. They've won, won one World Series since 1988. Mm-hmm. Since 1988, and it was yep. a shortened season. Yep, so it's not – money, 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 healthy players matter. And then I thought, okay, how long – you know, we, we start to go through all that sake. So I am just was curious if if Boris said, oh, hell no. We're, we, we're getting out of this thing. And for me, I wouldn't go 13 years, Sigs. I don't have a problem paying him $30 million for six years. I just, and I wish him well, but it worked out for the Astros. Will it work out for the Giants not keeping him? 
And if you want a guy bad enough, I promise you, even if the medicals don't add up, if the Mets want him for the optics bad enough, he's going to pass a physical. If yeah. that was oh, what yeah. happened, right? If you want him bad enough, there's guys who shouldn't have passed it one place and will pass it. That's all push him through. He's a New York Met. If that comes to that, I guarantee it. Yeah, it's really interesting now when you look at that team. Now they've spent, the Mets that is, they've spent over 800, supposedly $806 million in free agency this offseason on, on total contracts. And counting the tax, it'll be a half a billion dollars that they're half paying next year with salaries. You know, and, and if you've listened to this show or shows me and you have done in the past, everybody knows I'm a White Sox fan, right? Yep. The saddest part for me was seeing this contract. It's not him going to the Mets or anything like that because the Sox weren't expected to get Carlos Correa. But I saw a tweet saying, here's the Mets contracts that they've given out this offseason. The White Sox gave out a five-year, $75 million contract to Andrew Benintendi, former Red Sox, former Yankee, former Royal. Five years, $75 million. That was and former the, Yankee. Yan- yeah. Yankee, two segs recently, that was, right? Yeah, that was tied for fifth on the New York Mets contracts given out this season. And why I bring this up is for a lot of teams, not just my White Sox, but a lot of teams, the contract that the Sox gave to Benintendi was the biggest contractual contract they've given out in their history. The Mets gave out five bigger this offseason alone. So you could see where the difference is in – the way Major League Baseball is played. There's teams that just don't even swim around in that area. like, And then there's teams that we're just going to go Golden State Warriors on your ass. We're just blow you out of the water. And the Mets have done that because no one has reached these numbers that we're talking about in Major League Baseball spending. Six, when's the last time the highest payroll team in Major League Baseball, not counting the COVID year, won a World Series? Ooh, I don't know. Because the Red Sox had a pretty good, good payroll, but they were not the highest when they won it, what, 2000, was it 18 or 19? Was it 18 cigs or 19? 18, 18 or 19? The Red Sox. Was, I think it was 18. The, the, when, they, when they won it their last time. 18? Yeah, I it's 18. They, I, I, they're probably in the mix, top 10, top 8 or yeah. whatever, but I don't believe they have the highest payroll. So I'm sitting here thinking, Dodgers right there, what, what do we go back to, the last Yankees championship? That's what I was, yeah, that's is, what I was is, thinking. Is that, yeah. Those Yankees teams somewhere in there. Right, and maybe when the Phillies won their World Series, remember they would have the, been up the, there. That team maybe because they went out and got a bunch of guys close. Point is, is that while the the ability the the playing field is not level, we know that sex. Right. Yet the crazy thing about it is, whether it's injuries or underperforming or other teams playing better or timing, even though you spend the most money those guys percentage wise are not winning more world series than the guys who aren't spending. I as I much, think, should I say, I think the key is, and you, you look at teams like the Dodgers didn't do it as much as say the Astros did, or, you know, the Phillies did when they get to the world series, but it really works out for the teams that tear it all the way down. Like the Astros did where they went and lost hundreds Hundred games every year for like three like years in a row. Years, yeah, like it's three years in a row, and, and right. they got really, really bad. But then they drafted Carlos Correa. They drafted Alex Bregman. They hit on a Jose Altuve. They hit on a trade for Jordan Alvarez. They got Kyle Tucker. 
They get all these young pitchers from the Dominican. And Ver, they they, they snatch the Verlander when he wasn't pitching his best exactly. in Detroit. Exactly. And comes and pitches his best in Houston. So I think the teams that really benefit are the teams that are willing to tear it all the way down, but then are willing to spend inside the top 10 to get their team to where they need to be, like Jim Crane has done with the Astros. I, I think that's and the they best also, way to do it in baseball. And Sage, right, and not, not skimping and, like, cutting corners – Correct. on your scouting department they've done so well in cuba and you know in puerto rico and venezuela you know they're their foreign-born players are they all they hit i mean you go yes. through the list like they, i mean they just keep they keep hitting and hitting and hitting where's abreu from is he puerto rico as well say where, where's he where's uh, abreu jose abreu jose abreu yeah uh, cuba cuba he's oh cuba. cuba okay so that's right so he's he's cuban there you, so yeah another and we're talking about a former MVP. Now, whether he plays mm-hmm. at an MVP level, the point is they didn't cut corners on their scouting like the Bengals used to do until they finally have started to change it with Burrow and Chase, right, Seggs? Correct. They've, they've upgraded the scouting department, so they're always in chase mode. The Astros were not cutting corners on the way they taught, the way they developed, the way they scouted, not just American-born ball players, but foreign-born ball players. And they've been fortunate that the their scouting's been spot on in so many of them. You mentioned Correa and Bregman that are Kyle Tucker's a hit. Jordan Alvarez on the trade from what the Dodgers, right? I mean, they have been fortunate, but they were willing to say we're going to be there with eight thousand people in the stands in the middle of the summer to get to where we are now and build a dynasty. And that's where they're at now. You got to you got to rob Peter to pay Paul at some point if you're going to do it that way. Yeah, and and then on the other side of town, the other Carlos that we mentioned, Carlos Rodon, goes to the Yankees for six years, one hundred and sixty million dollars or whatever it was. I have it. I have it here. Six one sixty two. So uh, good. Who's for better, Segs, Mets or Yankees? Paid. Yeah, and I don't have. I don't. I don't. Listen, we've always said. You've heard me say it a million times. You're worth what you can negotiate. Whether yeah. whether the value in it turns out to be that's going to be for the Mets and their fans and their owner to decide and their and their team, but right now, who who's better, Segs? Astros? I mean, uh, oh. the Yankees or the Mets? Who's a better team right now? Um, I would probably lean. I'm just trying to run through their teams right now. I think you have to leave. If Degrom was still a Mets, Met, if Degr- right, and barely. if Degrom was still a Met, it would be an easier decision for me, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. If Degrom was still a Met with Verlander and Scherzer. For sure. Oh, There's still close. some unknowns. Yeah. Um, I, I really like both teams. Uh, I think that, you know, when you look at it, though, now if you're asking me who I think has a better chance to win a World Series, I might say Yankees because the NL has just become just a monster. There's so many teams Far deeper. in the NL yeah, no that question. are good. And you even just look at that division. When you talk about the Braves, you talk about the Phillies. The fact that the Mets are going to have to battle those two teams all season long is going to be tough on them. It's going to be, you know, and and they're a team that, like the Yankees, they got to avoid injuries. Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa, all guys that you worry about injuries. And and that's something. They've had a history of it. Yeah. And Segs with that, too. Think about this. To validate your point about the money spending, we can right now pretty much, and there there will be a team that you're like, oh, okay, look at them. Atlanta, that jumps in. I'm talking about heading to 2023. Atlanta, Philly, Mets, 
Yankees, Astros, Padres, Dodgers, possibly Toronto. And you make it Tampa. I'm talking about we can right now tell the seven or eight teams that are going to be in there in the end, unless there's some crazy, unless a team like we talked about jumps up and and has one of those St. Louis Cardinals, you know, type of year where they jump in and try to make a run. But for the most part, we can already tell we I can already tell you who's not going to be involved. Does that make sense? And then you'll get a Cleveland team. You'll get a you'll get a Cleveland. You'll get St. Louis to hang around. Obviously, we mentioned Tampa. They'll be they'll be around, but I'm talking about it's obvious the teams, if they're semi-healthy, that we know going in where the gambling odds are going to be 2023 already. And we already know the teams who got no shot, and we can roll through those as well, but we know who they are, right? Yeah, for sure. We know sure. who they are. So yeah, for sure. money matters. Now it's a matter of staying healthy and getting a little lucky as well. Right. Now, switching to football, we've got some big storylines, but I want to start with what, you know – I we know football's king. We know NFL's king, every, all the dollars and everything. But Sean, every year we talk about this, but it feels like it's getting worse and worse with officiating. I mean, we saw stuff happen this past weekend. First of all, the biggest joke in the NFL right now is roughing the passer. I think when you just look at some of the calls that are made, some of the calls that aren't made, it, it's just insane to me that Justin Fields. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, Justin Fields slides last week, and you have Sue, who's known as a dirty player, come across swipe, and I mean hit him square in the side of the head as hard as he can on a quarterback slide. Nothing's called. Um, I believe, I can't remember who it was, was slammed to the ground as hard as they physically could be by a defensive line on that whip around slam, which we know is very dangerous. And and that they always was not call called. that. Yeah, but right. that was not called. And then right. there's multiple hits this past week where the defender comes in, hits the quarterback high in the chest area with his shoulder and tackles him. And they call roughing the passer on what anybody rightfully that understands football would understand. That's just a sack. That's just tackling the player on the other team. And yet we're getting penalties. And then you have the whole Terry McLaurin situation in the Washington game Sunday night where he points at the ref. The ref tells him to scoot up, scoot up. You could see him scoot up a step. And then he points again. The umpire gives him the thumbs up. They snap the ball and he throws the flag for illegal formation on Terry McLaurin. Like it's It's, just, it's it's, NFL referees have become a joke. If you did, if most people did their gig as inconsistent as referees and whatever job you're in, you would not keep your job. Right. And I'll be honest with you, Segs, you look around on the high school, college and NFL level, we have a referee shortage. Yes. Where's it? I mean, honestly, we do. I mean, first of all, I get why there's a shortage. It's fairly abusive job to be in because you're never going to be. There's no game you go by where everybody's happy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Somebody's going to be mad at you the whole time, which you got to have thick skin. But we, we we're we're talking about and the next level. I you can't you can't miss with the naked eye some of the stuff these guys are missing. And the referees. Here's the other part of that. The extension of that. The mandate that comes down from the NFL, we always put it on the referees, yet there are a lot of times, and that's why I want referees to come to the press conference and answer questions like players. Because if, in fact, I'd like to know from the from the side judge on the McLaurin thing, if he said, I told him, I thumbed him up, and, in, and, and if he says, well, that wasn't the reason it was an illegal formation, he wasn't set and they went in motion, right. whatever it is, right, I'd, I'd like to know. Or... If you make a roughing the passer call and they and, and the guy addresses us and he says, 
The reason I made the call, I went by the letter of the rule. And here's the rule. And address it to us again from your mouth, not from Dean Blandino, not from Mike Pereira. I know how good they are. Yeah. And Pereira's the best in the business. Or some guy from the office three days later apologizing, even though we still got our ass kicked because of that play. They got the possession back. We lost yardage, blah, blah, blah. Strip sack fumble or in a non-call. So for me, you can't consistently do your job like this. And I know it's a tough job. I don't want it, but I am right. going to judge it. If that's their profession, I got no choice but to judge it. I don't want their gig, but I can promise you this. They miss way too many easy calls. And I don't know if Sakes, you saw the one where the Raiders, I mean, now listen, I'm a Raider guy. And the New England Patriots, that was as low IQ of football players I've ever seen in my life at the end of a football game. But it, it, it worked for my Raiders. If that's the way I got to win it, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. But the touchdown catch, now we saw two angles. The touchdown catch, like I said, no white kicked up. But when you saw the back end zone high angle looking down, it looked like he was a big toe out of bounds. Yeah. I, I'm being honest. And I'm like, okay, so what angle did you see that changed? I mean, I know the call in the field was a touchdown. I just, I, 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 listen, I quit guessing on if anything's right or wrong because you'll hear the announcer say, oh, yeah, he's out, or that's not a catch, or he's out. And then they'll come back and say, the really on the field stands, it was a catch, and the ball visibly hits the ground. And yet, yeah. if we can't get replay right, what are we doing here? Yeah, too much inconsistency, and there's way too much on the line to be inconsistently shitty. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's... <clears throat> It's costing or, or teams should I games. say consistently, consistently shitty and inconsistently good. All right? right. It's not everybody. It's a tough job. I respect them, but you just can't miss them when it's a billion dollar business. That's your job. That's why you get paid. Right. And, and going back to that commander's giants game. I mean, you could one of the last plays of the game, the, the uh, throw, I'm going to blank on who, who the, I don't think it was McLaurin in the end zone, but I mean, the New York giants defender has both arms around him a full second and a half before the ball's there. Right. I mean, right. it's the definition of defensive pass interference. I'll get, if you, if you miss a holding call because it's in the middle of a big ass pile of 300 pound men, fine. I, I get that. You're going to miss one every once in a while, but right. when it's two guys and you're supposed to have an official looking where the ball's going and you know, multiple officials are, and that guy is draped on his back way before the ball gets there the flag has to come out. I don't care if it's the last play of the game, the first play of the game, the biggest play of the game, or the game-winning play. You have to throw the flag. Why can't we <laughs> review that? If you got if it's not exactly. in the last two minutes, if it is the last two minutes, then they need to review it. The gig, the gig is to get it right. It's not to even out calls. Well, it's going to even out. Here's the make. Screw no. the makeup call. I don't care if one team's got 15 penalties, one's got three. That just tells me the team with 15 penalties most of the time are a bunch of dumbass. Yeah, they don't exactly. know how to discipline themselves during the practice week. Exactly. But I'm not looking for an e to even out. I don't need a makeup call if it's the wrong makeup call. I need it done right. And so for me, I look at it and I say, well, wait a second. Okay. Games matter. And you never know when that penalty in the third quarter or second quarter is going to come back and you say, it wasn't a penalty but we got penalized 15 yards or it should have been a penalty in the end zone. We didn't get the touchdown. They stopped us on fourth down and then they won by three while it wasn't in the end. It mattered. Right. Yeah. So for me is I don't understand every call is a judgment call. If a guy lines up in the neutral zone by four yard by, by four feet and a referee misses it. And I got one red flag left. It's, it's eight minutes to go in a game and it's third and four segs. 
and I throw an incompletion, and we're at midfield, I should be able to throw a red flag. Say, just go upstairs and see if he lined off sides. Yeah. He lined off sides. Oh, okay. Uh, automatic first down. Boom. They keep their red. It's not slowing the game down. I should be able to, and if it's pass interference, the replay tells us if you get there before the ball, bitches, it's pass interference. Right. And so why can't we review that? I would be able to review any of it with the same amount of red flags in my pocket. I just Let's, don't know why I can't review a pass interference call, but I can review a, if he got two feet down call, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. And, and, and listen, it, it's, you know, a lot of NFL fans are also college football fans. College football games last almost four hours, especially in the SEC. They take forever. I'm okay if an NFL game lasts three and a half hours instead of three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, so eight extra minutes Get to the a shit game right. like I give a shit. Right. right. Who cares? Get it right. And if you got to change the TV schedule to make it work where games start at 345 in the afternoon instead of 325, fine. I don't care. They all play, they make plenty of money. Yes. They can they can wait an extra five minutes. That's, I mean, that's their cash cow, so save it. Exactly. I don't want to hear it. You're exactly. exactly. Right. So they just the NFL has to figure this shit out because roughing the passer is a joke. Just the NFL officiating in general this year has been a joke. Uh looking elsewhere, you mentioned the Patriots losing in their fashion. I don't even know. Like I was sitting there watching that game, the end, of, and I'm just like. Uh, you know, I'm scratching my head. I keep looking at the score. I keep looking at the time while it's going. I'm like, what is going on? Why did he pitch the first one? And then Jacoby Myers gets it. Next thing I know, he's throwing it 20 yards backwards to who? Mac Jones. And I mean, Chandler Jones is standing right in the way. And the only guy between Chandler Jones and the end zone is Mac Jones. Who And Mac you know, says the right thing and says, <laughs> I needed to make the tackle. But do we really think right. he's going to make the fucking no, tackle? On the only answer he, you know why he said that? Because he didn't want to go in and say, what the hell is my dumbass football <laughs> yeah. team thinking right now and doing this? And, you, you know, they had a timeout after the Raiders scored. You go over there and say, OK, if we get a big play on the first down, OK, we don't have any timeouts right. left or, you know, you use it. And on the last play, it's a handoff. So you're basically conceding. The clock yeah. went to zero in the middle of the friggin play. And to me. Even with Jacoby Myers, if you did throw it back and Mac caught it, dude, he's, a, he's 20 yards behind everybody else. There's nobody he can lateral it to. What's he going to do? Outrun the defense to the end zone? There, there's, and you're not going to go down. The clock was done. It's almost to me like it wasn't just one boneheaded move by the running back. It was doubled down by Jacoby Myers. I'm thinking, did you, you guys think the game was you were down seven? You're right. Did you think that the touchdown by Derek Carr put you up? You were playing for overtime, and you're in the playoff race. You're in the friggin' playoff hunt, meaning the New England Patriots, right? And you leave yeah. that on the table? You've got to be I, – I couldn't – I've never seen a dumber low IQ football play by two guys on the same play. I've seen it by one, but two? I, I couldn't believe it. And, yes, this is on the players. I put this 99.9999% on those two players. But if you're Matt Patricia, who's not an offensive coach – or you're Bill Belichick. How are you not Matt Patricia's ear just saying, kneel the ball, kneel it. You're not scoring on a freaking draw play from the 45 or whatever they were on. You're not going to do it. And, and, and then Bill comes out and asks, well, why didn't you just try a, a Hail Mary? Well, we couldn't throw it that far. Well, that's just, I mean, showing your quarterback is, I mean, if he can't throw 50 yards, bring 55 me the guy yards off the in the bench air. That, then bring me the guy off the bench yeah. that can. 
Like okay. it, the whole thing all around from coaching staff to players was just, I mean, handled atrociously on all levels. Can just you imagine if that segs ends up being the reason that what's what's their I hope it is. is it six? Is it six and eight now? They were six and seven. I is believe that what so. It was, so let's just now think about it. You go from six and eight. Let's say it goes to overtime and you're now seven and seven. And you win two of the last three. You're in the hunt. Nine, nine wins may at least get you in striking distance. Ten wins, and I think you're in in the AFC. So imagine this. If that ends up in the end, you didn't get a chance to play overtime on a self-inflicted, stu- stupid, low IQ football play by two dudes. Tron, no, that puts them at seven and seven. If they won that game, oh, they're eight and six. So they were seven and Miami. six. They were a game over five, yeah. right? They 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 would have been tied and with Miami and the Chargers for the le- and, for the sixth and seventh spot in the playoffs. And if you win the two of the last three, you're definitely. And if you win one, you still got a chance. The way Miami's playing, mm-hmm. and it's 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 it, it's as baffling as I've ever seen. I don't know how you practice the next week thinking, I know my team's smarter than this. Yeah, I, I know they are. Crazy. And then the other mind-boggling thing that happened on this NFL weekend was the Colts. You're up 33 to nothing with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter. 33 to nothing. You lose. You lose the game to the Miami Devi- or to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I, I me, how 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 biggest biggest oh, comeback in NFL Sigs, history. I'm going to tell you this, and in a short period of time, Sigs, I'm going in and at the Dallas Star. That's where the game was at the U.S. Army All American mm-hmm. game. We're walking in on Saturday, and Jerry's got the star out, the big old TV outside. So people that are shopping outside the star, mm-hmm. there's a big old screen TV. You can watch all the playoff games. There's a turf field. Kids can come and play. We're walking in, getting ready for the game off the bus, walking into the stadium. I look up, and it's 30 to nothing. And I'm walking with a couple coaches. We're getting ready to pray. I said, oh, man, I can't believe the Colt, the Vikings. How do you do this? Right. The second the game's over, one of my buddies, it might have been John Pagano, the defensive coordinator, John, he says, uh, Vikings won after we won our game. I said, what did you just say to me? Vikings won. I said, at one point, they were down 33 nothing. I'm thinking, there's no way. And then, and then I thought about it. What's tougher, Segs? When it be, catching up to a team down 33 to nothing, or losing down 33 to nothing. It's got I, losing 33 to nothing. Hell, knee, I almost feel like you could kneel down five straight series yeah. and find a way to win the game. How do you lose that? Safe to say, guess who's not going to be the coach next year? Jeff it's Saturday. not on him, but it is on him because he's the head, he's the head well, coach. And he did, come out, did that. he did come out and say Matt Ryan will not be the quarterback next week. It will be Nick Foles. So I don't know what that changes. I mean, and why have we whatever. waited so long for fools to play? Yeah, I, why? I don't know. I, I don't. If the you're NFL the Indianapolis Colts, how many years is this now that we've been sitting here looking at Philip Rivers? We've been looking at Matt Ryan. We've been looking at all these guys. Carson Wentz. We've been looking at these guys play quarterback for the for the Indianapolis Colts. How do you not have a young guy just that you can throw in there and be like, okay, let's give this guy a chance. They they drafted Jacob Eason, I think, in the fourth round a few years back. He didn't last. They gave him they a couple of snaps him. and ran him out. Yeah. Right? And I don't and, think and Sam Ellinger's a starting quarterback in the no, NFL right. on a regular basis. I, I just so. like and they've experimented with that. But how do you not have the guy that's just like, let's see. I mean, hell, Crock Purdy's playing for one of the best teams in the NFL right now. He was the last pick in the NFL draft. And he's Thanks. playing good. And the Colts can't put a freaking somebody else out there besides Nick Foles or Matt Ryan. Cooper Rush. Yeah. Geno Smith. Brock Purdy. 
Um, who am I? Oh, Mike White. Yep. Let me go. You want to go through the list of all these backups that have come in and done their job that are that have given that have turned into starters like Purdy and Geno Smith. You're like, damn. And they can't find a guy now. When does Chris Ballard start to take some the GM? When does he, he start to fall on him? They 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 blamed it on the coach and the quarterback the last couple times. So Sean, when does listen, he take some heat because they have been bad with their listen with, to what this? I, I I saw this today. This tweet today. QBs currently in the NFC playoffs. One seed Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. Kirk Cousins fourth round pick. Brock Purdy last pick in the draft. Tom Brady sixth round pick. Dak Prescott fourth round pick. Daniel Jones was number six overall. Tyler Heineke, undrafted. Those are the seven quarterbacks at this moment leading their teams in the playoffs. Now you go to the AFC, it's all first-round picks. It's it's literally seven first-round picks, all drafted in the top ten except for Lamar. Think about this, too, going into this year. Daniel Jones would have been one you said, well, he's going to be replaced. And look what Mike Kafka and and, and, you know Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Dable and Kafka have done with him to get him. But he's the top pick. And you go in there and the, going into the season on the trust level, he wouldn't have been in your top five in the NFC on the right. trust level. Now he's playing much better football. Point is, is developing a quarterback is is it, it, it does take good coaching and attention to detail. And the Colts have been since hey they they drew a whole bunch of luck when you had Manning, then luck, and they've been wrong ever since when yeah. it comes to the lifetime achievement award. Quarterbacks great, but not a guy who can take you where you want to go. Yes, for sure. Uh, and then jumping real quick to college football, it's National Signing Day. I know we kind of talk about this all the time, but it feels like more than ever, especially with NIL and all this stuff, that, I mean, we see recruits committing, decommitting, committing, decommitting, committing, decommitting, flipping on the last day to another team. And it's just, it's insane. One of the top players in the country, Coromani McLean, supposedly his mom came out on Twitter this morning and said, Contrary to belief, we're not going to be signing with Miami today. We're going to be pushing till the later period. And reports have now come out that Dion has made contact and has an NIL brink truck backed up for Cormani McLean, who's one of the top cornerbacks in this uh, in this class. Um, what's your just mindset looking at all this? And and there's talk that Drake May was offered five million dollars from multiple teams while he was on North Carolina's roster, and he still is. And- but yeah, it's not just, even on the, not even in the transfer portal. It's just right? dirty. It feels all dirty. It is dirty. Well, it's I had Herb Street on today, and we were talking about this very thing, and name, image, and likeness, and all the things that the regulation that needs to happen. And I won't, I won't get into that. They can listen on the podcast. It's Sports790.com. But with <laughs> this, I, here's how I feel. You know, we talk about this, and then we hear parents and kids get mad when a Dion or another coach two days before signing day. They're going to get a transfer. They say, no, nah, I'm taking. I, I'm not offering you a scholarship anymore. If you rob Peter, you got to pay Paul. All this, you're allowed to transfer, take the money on the last day, show eight hats, and okie doke the team. Mm-hmm. So now people are mad that, well, they, I, 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 even the kid who's in high school that's going, the, the, the collateral damage, even if you haven't transferred, that's just the way it is. I'm going with my best 85, and, yep, I offered you a scholarship to Colorado, but a kid's transferring. He's taking your scholarship because you're the outside linebacker we were recruiting, but there's no room for you anymore. And I'm sorry two days before signing day, I'm taking the scholarship off. You're no longer welcome here. We're going to that guy. Yet we're mad at the school for doing it, yet these kids are doing it on a daily, regular basis, and they're leaving not because they love somebody more, because they're getting paid more in a lot of cases. So, uh, listen, while I'm compassionate, I no longer 
sakes, I'm not in the feel-good business anymore. The 18-year-old kid who's making these decisions, and I don't even know if he's going to leave on me if he gets beat out as a freshman. I'm playing my best 85, and those are my scholarship players. And unfortunately, this is what the transfer portal Wild West has created, that good kids that haven't even been to school yet that are 17 years old are going to get screwed in the end because, oh, wait a second, that defensive tackle, I want the four-star from Alabama that's leaving, and he doesn't want to play there anymore. I get three years with him. Sorry, the the defensive (laughs) tackle out of Colorado. We're no longer interested in you. Now you're going to have to go somewhere else, and we can't help you. Works both ways, man. Yeah, and then just some insane insanity in in the recruitment. Alabama has an offensive tackle from East St. Louis who's 6'6", 360. He's a monster. I saw him play in the Illinois State Finals. What's his name? uh, Miles McVeigh. Was he – we had a kid from East St. Louis going to a college, maybe offensive lineman? They have like three or four going to one. He might have been on uh, uh, the one of those guys from East St. Louis going to a big school might have been on Scott Frost's team in this Army All-American Yeah, I think there's one One going to Mizzou. And then, yeah, they're they're huge on that offensive line. But then Alabama also has Caden Proctor, who's a five-star offensive tackle. He's 6'8", 340. Think about those two being your bookends for the next four years at Alabama. Next three years. It's crazy. It it's is. crazy it's charts, what, how big good and luck fast to all those kids. kids are. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to all those kids today. I hope your dreams come true on early signing date and then again in February. Yep. And hopefully you get the money you can now. Do it now. I mean, I I, I can't blame the kids. Just you if know what? The, if you if get left out say, or get something. It. Yep. I don't feel bad rule, for you. Rules say get it, Sags. Go get it. You know what I mean? Yep. What are you gonna yep. do? All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Sean Salisbury Show right here on the Believe Network. As always, thank you to Believe. As always, thank you to Bet Online. And we will talk to you, preview this weekend's uh, matchup, probably on Friday. Do yep, some recording and, and, and get another episode out. And then next week, college football playoff, finally here. Finally Can't here. Wait. But all right, Five, we'll six. talk to you guys later this week. See Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.